Prince, <clears throat> uh, Disordered Loves, Healing the Seventh and Deadly Sins, says that sin is the refusal to let God be God. It is the decision to create a false center for life, an idol to which we give our ultimate loyalty. And so we're looking at these sins, <clears throat> uh, uh, each of these sins, to see how we can respond so to move from that false center back to how our life is intended or is supposed to be is, is centered on Jesus Christ, having Christ at the center of our lives and having the freedom that He came to, to give us uh, really uh, experience you know, by each and every one of us. The first three sins that we looked at, gluttony, lust, and avarice or greed, were sins that related to material things, related to issues of the body and, and material goods. <clears throat> the second two sins, anger and envy, were sins of relationship or sins against community because they had to do with how we relate to one another. To, today we're going to uh, cover the last two, and, and, uh, uh, which are the sins of exity. How many remember that word? I didn't. <laughs> exity, and that is how you pronounce it, which is often now called sloth. But exity is, is an, uh, an uh, older word that actually means uh, kind of sloth is just one symptom. And we're going to get into that, but I'm going to use the word exity as, and pride. Exity and pride, <clears throat> which are sins that go to the deepest level of our existence or really sins against our relationship with God. Okay, sins at the center of our being. So today's sins are exity and pride. So who's sleepy? What about him? Happy? Uh, that's, no, that's Dot. That's Dot. Well, pr- doctors are often proud, so that's. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I don't know. I like doctors. Well, <laughs> doctors are all right. I like my doctor. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Proverbs 21, Proverbs 21, uh, verse 24. The proud and arrogant, mocker is their name, they behave with insolent fury. And then 25, the craving of the sluggards will be the death of them because their hands refuse to work. So here we have in, one, in two verses, one little section of, of Proverbs, a comp, uh, to comparing and contrasting the proud and the sluggard. And uh, it kind of uh, highlights that both of them, both extremes, those who are proud, those who, are, who live as mockers, and those who are sluggards, who uh, refuse to work, both of them are, are just evil in God's sight. <clears throat> and uh, so really what we're going to look at is how both exity and, and sloth and uh, being a sluggard um, and pride are reactions, <clears throat> although opposite uh, in some ways. Pride, of course, most people are familiar with that, is arrogant self-reliance that rejects the need for God. Where exity is more subtle. <clears throat> uh, it includes the things like sloth and laziness and despair, but those are all symptoms of a deeper sin <clears throat> um, that, like pride, rejects God by giving up on life. Rejecting life itself. Alright? And so this is, goes beyond just, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of sloth. This is a deeper, when it settles in deeper to a level where you reject life. Both Axity and pride reject God. Axity rejects God by giving up on life. Both stem ultimately from a refusal to live toward God 
as dependent creatures made in His image. This gets really to the core of understanding both pride and exity um, in that it's a rejection of living as dependent creatures, realizing, accepting, and even celebrating in the uh, fact that we are created by God and therefore dependent. All right, Pride rejects that, saying they're self-dependent. But exity or sloth reject that by just giving up uh, and, and refusing to accept it. Um, <clears throat> pride and exity are reactions against the gift of created life as God's sons and daughters. And if you can think of it, <clears throat> here's God in heaven and each one of us are individually formed and created. He has a, he has a purpose and a destiny. He really does. If you live it, regardless of the, of the situations uh, and the circumstances that, that surround your birth and, and, and how you came into life, if you're alive, there's a reason. God, you know, it doesn't happen by accident, and certainly a human life is not by accident. And so God fashioned and created you, and you have purpose. And here's God as Heavenly Father giving you a gift of life, <clears throat> but it's a reaction against that life and not wanting to live as a son or a daughter. Uh, author puts it this way, he says, Exidy and pride are opposite twins, spinning out in contrary direction from their shared origin. Both refuse God. They are fixated on the self. That's, that's key. Both pride and exidy, which is an extreme uh, condition of, 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 of giving up on life, uh, are rejections of God, refusing God, and fixating on the self. One shrinks it, the other inflates it. Alright? So, exity shrinks self, and pride inflates self, but both are acts of denial. Refusing to live by the reality of God and His gift of created life. Speaking of pride, James writes in, in chapter 4, verse 6, he says, but God gives more grace. Therefore, he said, God, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It's very clear. We know that God stands against those who are proud in heart. We need to understand that exity and giving up on life is, is, is really comes from the same root of giving up on God. In 1 John chapter 2, 16, also speaking of pride, 1 John 2.16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of eyes, of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. So John is explaining that everything that's, that's part of this world system. Now, and, and when he's talking about that, he's not saying that everything in the created world is bad. He's talking about everything that's under the influence of of. of, of of the world system, all right, the worldliness, all right, and so he, he kind of talks specifically about um, the lust of the flesh, all this inordinate desire, and so gluttony and lust and avarice is inordinate desires concerning uh, our flesh, or the lust of the eyes when you're you're overcome by you know things you see and, and greed and envy <clears throat> that, that that can overcome you, or the pride of life. And, and life itself, some people respond to life by getting proud, by getting self-centered, and everything in life 
uh, 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 centers around them, and that's that's not of the it's not of the Father, it's of the world. Uh, John clearly says all of that, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it's of this world system, and the world system is going to come to an end. All right, and, and then a few verses con- concerning the other reaction, axity or or sloth or laziness. <clears throat> says he who this is Proverbs eighteen nine. How many are loving this sermon? You guys are awful quiet. <clears throat> All right, come on. It's the last one. We're going to get through it. Glory. <clears throat> Next week I'll talk about Christmas. <laughs> he who is slothful in his work is brother to him who is a great destroyer. And this is a verse that I clung to early in my Christian life. I just I love Proverbs. I read I pretty much a habit to read a chapter a day um, <clears throat> and plan on doing that the rest of my life. Recommend you do it as well. It's real easy because there's you know the same number of chapters as there are days of the month. So if you miss a day, it doesn't matter. You'll catch it next month. <clears throat> and I jump around different translations. But he who slothful in his work is brother to him who is a great destroyer. Now it's easy to see if someone goes around and tears things down and destroys things that they're bad. All right. If I were a, 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 if I went out and did vandalism, or if I burn, I was an arsonist. Everybody goes, "Oh, that guy's really bad." But the Word of God says, "Who the one, the person who is slothful in their work, who are not diligent, they're brother. It's they're just as bad." Okay, so being slothful or not diligent uh, uh, in your work is is equal to. Being a destroyer from God's point of view. We don't think it's all, oh, it's not that bad to do the, the minimal amount that we have to to get by. But God says, listen, it's just as bad as going out and tearing something down. Because you're not living to your full potential. And in Matthew, in the New Testament, Jesus tells a story about uh, people, uh, a king who gives uh, certain talents or uh, uh, each, each Servant is given a certain amount, and this is just how he deals with the lazy servant. In Matthew 25, verse 26, it says, His Lord answered him and said, You wicked and lazy servant. <clears throat> okay, in this story, the king represents Jesus. Alright? So, imagine Jesus saying this to someone. Now, Jesus is loving. But out of His love, He doesn't want us to be trapped in slothfulness. And, and, and giving up on life and, and what, what was formerly called exodus. It's a condition of heart that is destructive. It says, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own interest. And what he did instead was bury it in the ground out of fear. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. Listen, for to who every for to who everyone who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away. So that's a time of reckoning when God comes back, and uh, if out of fear and and slothfulness and uh, 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 depression you give up and just hide. There's a consequence to that. And even what you have will be taken away because you're not living, you're not investing, you're not living in faith up to the potential that God's called you to. And and then furthermore, it says, "...and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." Okay, you can hand these out. 
there's a whole bunch of these handouts. I just want to, I want to quickly go through this so we can get to the remedies. Good. <laughs> and hopefully by the end of this, this is a, just kind of symptoms or things that both pride and axity uh, represent. <clears throat> and again, again, I'm very familiar with the word axity is not uh, a, a common term today. <clears throat> it's uh, uh, spelled in a few different ways. But it's, the reason I'm, I'm sticking with that word is because sloth is merely a symptom and not the sin. Or, or laziness is a symptom. Uh, depression is a symptom, <coughs> uh, a chronic uh, type of depression. I do believe that some people can uh, just go through seasons of depression and for various reasons, but it, this, is go, this is a deeper uh, 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 condition that, that uh, if left um, unrepented of, can be very destructive. So, <coughs> just kind of pop through this chart here. Sci- uh, pride would say, I'm in control. And someone suffering from accident um, would say, if I can't be in control, then nobody is. You know, there is no control. I can just give up. Uh, pride says, I'm the most important. And someone in, uh, suffering accident or committing accident is just like, nothing's important. You know, nothing in life is important. Um, <clears throat> uh, that word exity is from the uh, Latin and Greek, uh, akidos, meaning without care. In a similar way that we get the word apathy or pathos, apathy without feeling. So apathy is without feeling, but exity is without care. In other words, there's no, you don't care about anything. You, you get to the place where you just don't care about anything. You don't care about day-to-day life. You don't care about your work. You don't care about your spouse. You don't care about your kids. You don't care about your, you don't, how you don't care about how you look. You don't care about life. You know, so it's a deep, uh, core giving up. <clears throat> Pride is an aggrandizement of self, of violently asserting uh, one's own life, where exity is a passively shrinking from created existence into their own nothingness. All right, pride puts self in God's place, where exodus is spiritual listlessness or depression, a reluctance, and finally a refusal to respond to God. And I've seen many people who get close to this. And again, with with all sins, you know, some people can flirt with a sin or commit sin on a little level and. There's degrees to where you give yourself over, and there's a point at which you get so far into sin, whether it be, you know, uh, any kind of sin, any one of the sins, but you get so far you just completely give yourself over to it, and it takes control. <clears throat> and so this idea of a refusal to respond to God. And I've sat with people that are suffering uh, this, and I've tried to communicate that God is real and God is real. And I can see from ten different ways how God's trying to rescue this person, and they just can't see it because they've willfully chosen their close, chosen to close their eyes. Now they haven't consciously chosen it, but they've willfully chosen it. Pride turns itself away from God and asserts divine absoluteness for itself. So it's a turning away for God and say. I'm God. That'll settle it. <clears throat> Where exity is a consent to non-being. Alright? Non-existence. Striking a bargain with insignificance. Well, if I can't, you know, be this way or do that or be as good as I, if I can't meet my own unrealistic expectations, I'll just give up and, and I'll, I'll just be insignificant. I'm insignificant. 
And a lot of ungodly beliefs. I'm stupid. I'm an idiot. I'm worthless. Self-hate. You know, uh, self-condemnation. It all flows out of exity. Okay? And it is equal to pride. You know? I'm, I'm worthless is, is, is an equal sin to saying, I'm the most important person in the whole world. Why don't you bow down to me? Yeah? It's the same sin. It's just the flip side. <clears throat> it's resentful tiredness. I like that. I can relate to tiredness. I can relate to resentful tiredness. Okay? I really can. There's a temptation to get resentful when, when, you, when you, you work and work and work and it seems like nothing's uh, coming out of it. There's a temptation to get resentful. It's okay to work until you're tired and exhausted. It's not okay to get resentful and bitter in that and give up. <clears throat> uh, uh, there's forms of pride. <clears throat> Vanity. Hmm. I did want to say that this um, <clears throat> refusal to respond to God usually is a progression of prolonged disappointment. Okay? And listen, <clears throat> if you've experienced prolonged disappointment, think how long God has experienced prolonged disappointment. Okay? Waiting for you to respond wholeheartedly. Or waiting for others to respond wholeheartedly. He understands what prolonged disappointment is. He can relate to you. Okay? So, I understand, I can, I, I can, you know, I just acknowledge the fact that prolonged disappointment, you know, uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick, is another proverb. But, uh, when it comes, it is a tree of life. Alright, so don't forget that there's a point at which your hope will be, will be fulfilled. Maybe it's not what you expected, but God wants to fulfill your life. But there's a place where you have to persevere and not give up. Exodus is giving up and, uh, and, and actually getting to the point where you refuse to accept God's deliverance. Alright, forms of pride and forms of exity. Uh, pride, vanity, being the center of attention. Uh, 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 center of attention equals meaning. In other words, as long as you're the center of attention, you have meaning in life. All right, you derive your uh, meaning, or your you validate yourself by being the center of attention. It's all right to be the center of attention from time to time. All right, hopefully I'm the center of attention in this room. <laughs> you know, but it, it's not right if I I, I I find my identity just because people listen to me, because then that becomes unhealthy. All right. Uh, a fixation on one's own appearance is a sign, <laughs> sing, <laughs> misspelled, sorry, <clears throat> of illness just as being dirty, unkempt, pale, and sickly can be. So overly fixated on your own appearance can be just as much a sign of, of a moral sickness as if you were sickly and pale or that you hadn't washed in, in uh, two months, you know, and had uh, lice. Okay, both are symptoms of of, of uh, 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 sickness. Laziness and sloth are, is a form of exity. Uh, and this is not just getting behind you know, on chores or doing the laundry, but a giving up. All right? And there's a difference. It's one thing to get behind and realize or even get frustrated you know, and, and, and feel like just taking a week off and it's okay to take a week off or a month off or whatever. But there's a difference between that and giving up. All right? Or giving in to being overwhelmed. Right? And a lot of people say, I'm overwhelmed. I can't take it anymore. And, um, and I've felt that way too. But the fact is, you're probably not. <laughs> Sorry, you're probably not. You know, when you, when you objectively look at your life and you objectively compare it to other people's lives, you prob- your life is probably a piece of cake. Alright? 
And, and being overwhelmed, and I can't take it anymore, is basically saying God does not have the grace to enable me. See, that's where it's a refusal of God. God says, my grace is sufficient, and you're saying, no, it isn't. And, and that is and that is pride. It's this disguise in helplessness. Oh, <clears throat> hallelujah. <laughs> Narcissism. I realized I printed this and handed this out, and then I have, this, I have the M word in here. So don't let your kids see this. All right? Creating oneself. This is where my notes, and I, at the last minute I decided to make it a handout. So <clears throat> creating oneself. Narcissism is a love of self, right? Creating oneself in whatever image one prefers. An unwholesome love of self. Okay? <clears throat> and it's okay to, you know, enjoy yourself. I enjoy being around myself. My, my, my girls are like, yeah, maybe a little too much. <laughs> I mean, I always get my own jokes. <laughs> Seriously, I'll be out on a bike ride. I'm out there for a couple hours. I'll, be some, I'll, I'll think of a joke and crack up laughing while I'm riding a mic. And then I'm laughing because I'm laughing at my own joke. Like, I think I need to see a psychologist or something. But <clears throat> That's all right, but, not, but there's a narcissism that's unwholesome. You know, that falls in love with yourself and then, and then tries to craft to yourself to, to be exactly in your own image. And, you know, the term I use is emotional masturbation. You know, it's just where you, you get yourself off on yourself. And that's just not healthy, you know. We're not created to be that, to, be, uh, uh, to, to fall in love with ourselves to degree, that degree. We're created for relationships that are wholesome with others. Exity can express itself or have a form of overcommitment and workaholism. It's not only laziness, but some people can get, become workaholics out of the same uh, sin. Uh, uh, same uh, overcommitment and workaholism can, can be <clears throat> symptoms of the of the same disease. A deliberate this is the point. A deliberate distraction from the call to the real journey of life, which is knowing God and relating to Him as creation. So do you see that we're called to a relationship where we're called, we have a calling to get to know God and sometimes uh, overworking or a workaholism and it can be just a distraction from being who we're really meant to be. Alright? <clears throat> and, and it can be uh, uh, expressed in that that form as well, that really you don't think you, you're anything in yourself, and so you just give yourself completely to something else in an inappropriate way, rather than giving yourself to who you're called to be. Pride is self-centered in relationships. Other people do not easily make an impression. <laughs> Nothing besides your own self has much reality, always being the hub of reality. And you see that in people who just never have the time to listen to someone else or to care, to get involved in someone else's project. Uh, <clears throat> either because they have too much going, they think they have too much going on, or they just don't care, you know, because they're all wrapped up in themselves. Uh, uh, don't confuse confidence with arrogance, okay? Proud people are often quiet and unassuming, but out of a prideful disconnect and disinterest of others just as easily as they are, can be overbearing and domineering. Alright? So pride can, can come across in many different ways. Pride does not need neighbors except as mirrors or slaves. You know? So someone who's proud just looks at someone else to see how, how they're like me. You know? 
or how can I use them to my end? Uh, Exodus gives itself to idol worship, to empty out oneself in idol worship rather than growing toward God, seeking significance in some other human being, cause, or circumstance. Do you see that? Seeking significance. Why? Because you don't think you're significant. Because you don't accept God and that God has given you significance in relationship with Him as a created being, as a son and daughter. That's the source of our significance. Idol worship is when we seek significance in some other way. And we use relationships not like pride, but just as detrimental as a substitute for being ourselves. For being who God created us to be. It's an abdication of yourself. Ugh! Yuck! Alright? That's not healthy. And God, that's not what God, that's not humility. Alright? Humility is completely different. That's a different sermon. I'm not going to talk about humility right now, but that's a, that's a false humility. You know, godly humility recognizes the value of being a son and daughter, being created in the image of God. And of course, in spiritual pride is when self becomes God and can be seen by the atheists who reject the, even the idea of God, but it also can occur in those who are religious when they use their own uh, creeds or beliefs as weapons to protect their status. All right, You can be spiritually proud and know the Bible forward and backward and go to church every Sunday. Or you can be spiritually proud and be an agnostic or an atheist. All right, It's that you use that pride against others. You break down and it's really a defense mechanism to keep God from really getting to the inward parts of your life. <clears throat> and an exodus is despair. Um, in its terminal form, it finally rejects God's new possibilities. It rules out grace, shuts any opening to the divine life. Exodus has its full effect when one puts oneself intentionally, albeit unconsciously, beyond the reach of God's mercy. Both uh, pride and Exodus' uh, intention is to, be, is to remain independent. Keeps yourself independent from God. Pride keeps you independent. Let me just read this quote from the book and move on. It says, The vacuum left by refusing God sucks just below the level of human consciousness. Existence as a creature without a Creator, as a necessarily God-turned being who has turned away from God, is unnatural. Okay? This is not the way we're created. We were created to be connected with God. And so when we reject God, it's unnatural. It produces two characteristic contortions. One is to compromise with the nothingness within. You fear the emptiness, and yet it's so easy to give way. You shrink down, claim little, minimize life. Bit by bit, like a sandcastle as the tide comes in, the self agrees to crumble and be washed away. That is the response of exity. The other is to pile up more and more sand in the castle faster and faster to reject the vacuum by absolutizing it, the self, by extending it and feeding it and defying the void that awaits. That is the response of pride. Both are a rejection of the grace of God. All right. The remedies in five minutes or less. Bum, bum, bum. <clears throat> Remedy number one, understand why we're rejecting or fleeing from God. Okay, You really need to understand this. 
And uh, it's, it's, you know, pride and exity are both sins of the center, a refusal to live in relationship or toward God. All right. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's the balancing, you know, living, um, <laughs> the author does a great job in many, many pages of the book kind of describing that we're, we're balanced between the infiniteness of God and the infinite of nothingness. Because without God, we don't exist or eternal damnation, all right? And so we're kind of balanced in the middle, all right? <clears throat> and, and that's scary, all right? Pride swells up against that, and exity just cringes or gives up. And the idea is God really is too much for created beings to handle. God is just too big. When we start to comprehend, it's like looking up at the stars and trying to comprehend how big the universe is. I've felt for a long time the reason we're put on a little planet in the middle of a gigantic universe that scientists cannot figure out how big it is is to give us a physical representation of how small we are in relationship to how big God is. And most people spend most of their life just not thinking about it. (laughs) You know? Because when you start thinking about how big the the universe is, you just can't deal with it, right? Right? So you just don't think about it. <laughs> you know, it's the same way we are with God. God's so big, He overwhelms us. Alright? Uh, to see Him face, uh, to see Him directly is to confront something so, ex- uh, something exceedingly, exceeding us so greatly that it may even seem like nothing. It's, he so exceeds us that we can't grasp it. And God said this about himself in Exodus chapter 33, verse 20. When he was speaking to Moses, he said, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. All right? So this idea of God is so big that we can't comprehend it is in itself a reason that we, we either turn to pride and make ourselves the center, because we can at least have a, you know, some sense of what that is. Or we just give up in the nothingness. Everything becomes overwhelming. All right? And both are wrong responses. The right response is to acknowledge, yes, God is bigger than I can ever comprehend. As far as the heavens is above the earth, so far is he above, is his thoughts above our, ours. All right? Second <clears throat> remedy is that Jesus is the remedy for the sins of the center. All right? God's so big we can't comprehend Him. God's so big we can't even look at Him without dying. Yet, John chapter 1, verse 18 says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. So Jesus came to declare or to make known the invisible God, the, un, uh, the God who can't be seen. John six forty six, it says, uh, <clears throat> Jesus Himself says, not that anyone has seen the Father except He who is from God. He has seen the Father, talking about Himself. All right. Most assuredly, I say to you, He who believes in Me has everlasting life. So the, the bridge between this God who cannot be touched or the God who can't even be seen is Jesus because He came to declare Him and He came that because He has seen the Father and He represents the Father, if we believe and accept relationship with Jesus Christ, we have access into uh, access to the Father. And furthermore, in, in John 19, uh, 14, verse 9, 
He clearly states, and I'm pulling this right out of this verse, but he says, Jesus said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. All right? If you've seen Jesus, if you can get a picture, now maybe you physically see Jesus manifest before you, you know, that's fine, but you can see him in Scripture. You can see him in prayer. He is comprehensible because he came as a human. He came to represent. In fact, in Colossians, Paul is explaining this to the early church, how Jesus came so that we can grasp this, uh, the, the personhood of God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 through 17. It says, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. (laughs) Jesus takes what is invisible, God, and makes him visible. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones and dominions, principalities and powers. All things were created through Him and for Him, Jesus. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. Now listen, this directly it directly answers or responds to the sins of pride and accident and that in Him we were created and we exist and we consist. We have our being, our substance, okay? Where pride exalts the self uh, in, a, in an unrealistic and untrue way and accident and, and sloth gives up on self. Okay, relationship with Jesus Christ, realizing that our self, our being, consists in Him. Alright? He's the basis. Pride isn't. And we don't have to give up once we see Him because He is the image of the invisible God. In Jesus, let me read a quote from the book. It says, in Jesus, God became tangible. The uncreated light, visible. Jesus is God's presence and God's will embodied in real human hands that could touch and heal and be transfixed by nails. To accident, He is God made small enough to enter into the narrowest and flimsiest of our hiding places from life. To pride, He is God's own integrity of being, accessible and non-threatening, offering itself as a free gift, He opens the way to enter the abyss of God's love. Alright? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. It's, it's really all about Jesus. Another remedy. Okay, so understanding why, understanding how Jesus fits that space and makes us able to connect with God. Third thing is sudden events. Something happens. Life stops. Maybe it's an accident. Serious accident. Maybe it's the death of a loved one. Loss of a job. Serious illness. It may even be an epiphany. You realize something. You just, like, all of a sudden, you get an idea that helps you. You know, or maybe it's a kind act. Somebody does something out of love that makes you stop. And, and the life of pride or the life of uh, accident and, 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 and giving up and depression, all of a sudden you see a glimmer. Okay? Those are opportunities that can be remedies. They're, they're, they're means by which God gives you an opportunity to respond differently. They disrupt 
Life as normal. And when that happens, you know, an arrogant person may respond with arrogance and just plow through it and push whoever is in their way out of the way. Or a person who's already overcome with depression or exity may just give up and go, oh no, it's all the more overwhelming. You know? Or it can be taken as an opportunity to go, wait, what is that all about? I have to stop and reevaluate everything. And that's an opportunity. God's made an opportunity in those type of things to respond differently than the way you have in the past. To look for Him. You know, if you're, if you're, if you've been prideful in the past, to humble yourself and come to Him and connect. If you've given up on life and been overwhelmed in, uh, with life, stopping and realizing He's the source of your life. He's the source of your identity. And you really can overcome anything in relationship with Him. And then <clears throat> there's four things uh, that we can uh, do to kind of counteract. Because most times, you know, both pride and exity doesn't come on like an acute illness. You know, like everything go all, you're just a good Christian going along and all of a sudden you get problem. You know, or you're just, you know, serving God with your whole heart and all of a sudden you just give up. They're really more chronic conditions that progress and get worse as time goes on. And these four things can help prevent that progression. The first is faith. <laughs> All right. To live by faith at times means to continue living toward God even when your feelings run entirely contrary. When all one's heart can see is barrenness. Faith is not a matter of feeling. It's a direction of being toward God who is at times wholly invisible. So you keep going even though you don't know where... You can't see it, but you're going toward God. And In Hebrews 11 it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you continue in faith. You continue in prayer, the second thing. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in, uh, in it with thanksgiving. Alright? <clears throat> Both pride and exity are turning away from God to self. Prayer is the act of turning from self to God. And so a discipline of prayer is an antidote or a remedy to both pride and exity. Okay? Slothfulness, depression. Turn to God. <clears throat> prayer forces us to, know, to acknowledge that God is at the center. Confession humbles the proud. Praise lifts up the depressed. Come on, people. Fellowship. Faith, prayer, fellowship. Christian community pulls us out of self-centeredness obsessions. <laughs> Hang around long enough, you'll find that out. Both conflict as well as care found in community counteracts the pull of pride and accident from drawing us away from others and God. So even conflict within a faith community can be a way that is meant to pull you out of self-obsession. Okay? And moving away from God and away from others. As well as loving care and the good relationships we have. Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. And the fourth, the last thing that helps in <clears throat> uh, 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 resisting these sins 
um, is ordinary life. I like this one. Concrete, simple, humble deeds disclose the simple reality of other people. Okay, interacting with other people, not not pretending everybody else is not real. Okay, either out of pride or out of uh, 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 accident or hopeless depression, where you don't even acknowledge other people because you're so caught up in your own problems, or you don't acknowledge other people because you're so caught up in your own self and pride, your own projects. Okay, but interacting with other people in ordinary lives. This can be humbling and encouraging if only because Christ is sometimes visible in them. Do you see that? Jesus uses other people. In a community gathered around the cross and resurrection, okay, in a faith community, Ordinary life helps cement the new center which God is forming in the place of accident and pride. The center is Jesus in the midst of our community, in the midst of our lives. And that is the end of the series. God bless you all. Thank you, Pastor Cameron. All right, we have a few announcements today. Uh, first of all, if you are new here and you have never taken the time to fill out a connection card in our bulletin, we want to get connected with you. We want to invite you into our community here at New Day. So please check out the connection counter in the back there and bring your connection card. And we have a gift for you if you've never turned one of those in. So please do that. Uh, a couple other things. Next week, we all get to enjoy a performance by the kids here at New Day. How many love our kids here? That's good. That's the correct answer. Uh, we are going to be having a presentation. It's just going to be during first service. So it's important for uh, anybody that's planning on coming to second service next week that has kids to get your kids here at 1020. Come a little bit early uh, because at the end of first service there will be a presentation by the kids. So 1020, make sure your kids are here. All right, uh, today is the last day uh, to receive the $20 discount for the women's retreat. So there's information about that in the bulletin. This is another opportunity to get connected in uh, healthy, loving relationships. So please do it for the women, uh, just to clarify. Um, all right, and also we want to thank Lori Roy and everybody that contributed to the Christmas party last night. It was really good, so thank you guys. It's, it's a great tradition that we have here. All right, we're going to get ready to take an offering, so please join with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we recognize, Father, that you are the center of life, Father. We just lay down our lives. We lay down our, our uh, assumptions that are not correct about who we are and about who you are. We recognize, Father, you are the center. We thank you, Father, for all you've done for us. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have now to sow into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go ahead and take the offering. Today, we have another special opportunity. The Dance Life Group, which is just concluding now, is going to give their dance presentation for all of us that they've been working on. So we get to enjoy that.
All right. Thank you. Very good. Well done. God bless you. All right. Well, we um, just we value, appreciate, you know, we can worship God with songs. We worship God, the visual arts with music, but also with our bodies and dance and lifting up hands. And all of those ways are just ways that we express our, our appreciation, our, our value of God. And um, at the end of the service, we do have prayer ministry available over on this side of the stage. will be a prayer team to minister to you and whatever need you may have. Uh, and this side is our prophetic team. If you would like to come up and receive a word, uh, there's a team of people who have been trained to hear God's voice and share with you what they feel God would have for you today. Otherwise, please stand and greet someone, greet one another, and be sure to stay and grab a donut and a cup of coffee for the intersection time as people for second service show up. God bless you. You are dismissed.